You protecting my interest. You protecting my tax money. I'm gonna send you to the, my watchdog. You are my watchdog. If you don't do that job, you're out of there. I will send someone else. So therefore, why should I? I mean, I can't do anything. Just do whatever I feel like it. I'm not the leader. I am the representative. Welcome to the precipice, Eugene. Well, thank you for inviting me here today. We are on the precipice. We got another episode. I've got my uh, co-host here, Brad Willoughby. Brad, good to see you. You too, John. We are on the adventure for truth. We've got another great conversation. One what we hope is rooted in truth, hope, and love. And our guest is Eugene Yu. Eugene, welcome. You, you, you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, my name is Eugene Yu. One of my campaign that our slogan was a uh, U-turn. Everybody said, "What's a U-turn?" Well, Washington need a U-turn. We do. We need. We need. We need a one eighty or U-turn for sure. Yes, we got to maybe that could put that along with drain the swamp. U-turn. Well, you know, President Donald Trump said that make America great again. That's more likely if you really look into it. That's a U-turn. Let's go back to great day. You like, turn. Yes. I like that. Well, Eugene, you turn. <laughs> you turn. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for coming. I think I got introduced to you from um, my friend Sally and Donna, and you were able to help them with a, an event in July, over Fourth of July weekend, and I heard you did a great job. And anyway, we're excited to have you on the podcast to hear more about your story and the things that you're thinking about and working on. And um, anyway, Brad, we got to have a little lunch with Eugene, so we know a little bit about him, but uh, we're hoping to get the listeners to know him a little bit more. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by people's stories. I love hearing people's stories, and I love hearing um, people that have moved to this country, how their way has been made, what they've gotten into, what their twists and turns were. Reading a little bit about you and your bio, um, talked about your your uh, military career and things like that. I'd love to for you to kind of paint a picture for our listeners of, you know, how did you come here? What's your family history? How was your time in America? Where you landed and where you settled? That kind of thing. Well, good. Uh, when I was a little, when I was young, my family moved to Augusta, Georgia. Uh, I always ask my mom, and why did you pick Augusta, Georgia? <laughs> she never, she's just laughing. However, uh, I grew up in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, I was a volunteer firefighter, because just like any other kid, when I first came to America, when I saw that a fire truck, I said, wow, you know, I want to be a fireman. How, how old were you when you came to the country? Uh, I think it was 15, yes. Um, at the time that, um, you know, any, any immigrant, same way, we have to survive. Uh, so, even though uh, during the, my high school year, I worked at the factory, something like working at midnight, when I get up to work, go home and take a shower, change clothes, go to school. So, this was working through yeah. school? Yes. Gotcha. Entire high school. But at the same time, in the weekend, I want to be a fireman. So, I was joined as a volunteer firefighter. After I graduate. Let's make it short. I mean, I don't want to just on and on and on. But uh, I become the regular firefighter. After that, about two years, uh, I joined the U.S. Army. 
reason that at the time, the, right after the Vietnam War is over and uh, they stopped drafting and uh, the government really uh, promoting to the recruiting to the young people to join the military. So the great benefit and that caught my eyes. And Now tell me what year this is. Uh, that was uh, 76. Okay. Yes. So I become the U.S. Army. Should I tell about the, the little... <laughs> That are uh, happening in the, the my first day or first week of uh, my boot camp. I, I think so. <laughs> you know, my name is you. Uh, probably most veteran, if you listen to this radio or this the thing, they they will know exactly what I'm talking about. In the first first couple of a week, the drill sergeant they just don't remember all their trainees' names. So only thing they say, hey, you, 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 you. Get down. <laughs> and I thought, I mean, I was really just just really scared and, you know, pay attention. And only thing I hear that when Drew started screaming, hey, you, and I thought he was calling my name. Immediately, I went down and I started pushing. <laughs> and all of a sudden, what are you doing? I said, I thought you called my name. I did not call your name. Do it anyway. I said, oh, my God. <laughs> so next time. He really called me, but I stood up, you know. So, soldier, you don't understand English? Yes, Drew Sergeant. Why didn't you get down? I said, well, last time you, uh, down. I said, oh, my God, you know, just never doing right. I mean, just, you know, you, you, I mean, it just gave me so much nervous breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, then about three folks, three or four weeks later, you know, whenever I got the regular uniform with the name tag, all the drill sergeants say among themselves, hey, drill sergeant so-and-so, come over here, look at this guy's name. You, no wonder he is so confused. <laughs> you confuse us. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I had a, I had, I had a really good um, the thing. Then I become U.S. Army military police. So I was in military police. I had a forty-five pistol in my side, and I mean. Okay, so I've I've read every Jack Reacher book. Have you read any of the Jack Reacher books? <laughs> yes. So, you, any similarities? Anything like that? <laughs> yeah. And uh, after I honorably discharged, went back home, and I become deputy sheriff in Richmond County, Georgia. So I was a deputy sheriff. I guess I'm the first Oriental, Asian, a deputy sheriff in the South. <laughs> and the whole city or whole county knew who I was. <laughs> I mean, every, you know, I cannot do anything wrong. <laughs> so what did, did you, how did you get into being an MP? How does that happen in the military? Is it well, you had the, some skills that they kind of push you in that way or volunteer no, for it or? No, at the, the boot camp, I mean, basic training, they, they ask for what you want to be. I mean, some people say, I want to be a, a transportation. I want to be a, a radio operator. I want to be a medical assistant. I don't know, just to me, just, you know, my first choice was, uh, is the Army had any firefighter? No, we don't. <laughs> uh, how about police? You want a military police? Yes, you're a sergeant. Well, you got it. <laughs> so what, what kind of stuff did that entail? I've, I've been fascinated with just reading about military police and their jobs. And, you know, I know I'm a big fan of um, a supporter of what police do and what they have to do. Well, um, just like um, the military police, you got a, we call a division police, division MP, mm -hmm. and we got a garrison MP. Uh such as garrison MPs and like uh, the just like uh, civilian police mm -hmm. inside a military camp uh, compound, you know, traffic, any uh, any crime inside a post, bar fights, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, stand the gate, mm -hmm. uh, checking on the all the uh, security buildings, you know, you know, stuff like that. So everything's relegated to just the base that you're yes, on. Yes. Okay. After three years, I, you know, when, when I discharged from the Army, you know, went back to Augusta. And because my prior, you know, military experiences is 
just smoothly move into the civilian uh, deputy sheriff. You so you enjoy law enforcement? Oh Do you yes. Enjoy it? Oh yes. I mean, learn a lot, and you know, again, that uh, beginning of my young life in America, I always public service mm-hmm. naturally. Not the book way, but, you know, actually physically, you know, helping, you know. So I say, you know, the nighttime, weekend, and somebody have a fire, you know, you go out the fire, fire you know, catch, put out the fire, mm-hmm. clean the house and, and all that. You know, police, the same thing, protecting, the, you know, property and life. And today environment you know, I really feel sorry for those uh, police officers today because when I was police, that was back in 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85. Today's a lot different. I mean, it's a completely different. And as, you know, time to time when I see that police officer, I mean, you know, the things they're telling me, and I mean, they, they all go through so much stress. I mean, the police officers, just like any, just like you and I, you know, whenever they go home, they have their family. I mean, their family worry about, you know, my son or my, my wife, I mean, my, my husband, you know, when they go out to the duties, they always worry and scare, you know. And 86, I become, uh, I left the church department and uh, starting working for the uh, Cummings Engine Company. That job was uh, very interesting. Uh, now, is that, is that still in Augusta? In Augusta, but uh, I was uh, international okay. sales. So I traveling to the uh, Asia to the sell Cummings diesel engine. Yeah. So, I mean, the pay and the commission is a much, much different than law enforcement. <laughs> Not only that, you have traveled to the overseas, and from that, I mean, I learned some lot of the things, international trade business. Even back then, I was very early on, and there's, there's so many other countries, so-called our ally, they are so much taking advantage out of us. And I was always wondering, my fellow American, do they ever understanding these people, I mean, still blind to us, but yet nobody say anything about. But let's go back to the, we kind of off to the track a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, then later, I opened up my own company called Commercial and Military System out of Augusta, Georgia. I was refer- we was a refurbishing military vehicle. Um, I did that operating that company over, over 24 years. So, so beat-up vehicles would come in, you guys would refurbish them back to as good as new as you could, and then what would happen with well, them? Well, um, late 80 or early 90, the U.S. government, they are trying to save the, the, the military budget. So instead of buying the new truck, mm-hmm. They call SLEP program, S-L-E-P program, Service Life Extension Program. In other words, they don't, they don't want to continue buying the new truck. They have existing, the used truck they're sending to company like us. We refurbish and give it to them so they can uh, use that truck some more. Mm-hmm. So they will be uh, save. They will calculate at least about 40% of the budget. They can reduce. So that was a program at the time. So your refurbishments, what all would that entail? Anything from oh, body work to engines? Oh, everything. Everything? Yeah. Deuce and a half and five-ton truck. Uh, armor personnel carrier. Mm-hmm. Not only that, we not only we dealing with the U.S. Uh, military, but we also are uh, directing by the government to the sometime day one for us to sending some truck to the Philippines. Uh, Colombia, South America, Colombia, mm-hmm. Israel, uh, Thailand, Bolivia, uh, Africa, Mexico. This is kind of foreign military sale. The U.S. government tried to helping other our allies. So instead of giving the new truck that are we want, they are refurbishing the truck. 
So we did that uh, that business over very successfully about twenty four year, twenty four year, yeah. Uh, like I say, uh, I never really thought about the politics. Never even thought about the running for the public office. Even though when I was young, I was working for the you know police department or fire department as a military. One point that uh, I still remember that night when President Obama beat uh, Mitt Romney, and I said, "Whoa, I need to do something. We're really going the wrong direction." Um, I don't know whether um, this is going to be a very constructive criticize. I just don't want our president to bow to the other nation emperor, other nation president. That's it's unacceptable. But it's Obama. I don't know whether he tried to be nice or what, and he forgot he's a U.S. United States of America president. He got us like a Japan. He bowed to the emperor. Oh my God! Why are you doing that? If you, as a private person, Obama, yes, go for. It. I mean, you can get on down the knees, kisses, and you know, foot. I don't care. But as long as U.S. president, you cannot bow to your head to the other countries, the leader. Yeah, it's, it sends a very weak message. Yes, and. Uh, Again, I mean, from that point, I ran two or three different times the U.S. Congress, and, and uh, I didn't make it. But I will continue to try. I am strongly thinking uh, I may run. It's not I may run. I'll correct that. Uh, I'm going to run uh, this uh, 2022, or either U.S. Congress or U.S. Senate. Depends whether Herschel Walker... That rumor I heard that uh, that Donald Trump, Mr. Trump tried to endorse the uh, Herschel Walker to the Senate, which I personally I like that uh, Herschel Walker, he's a great football player from the Georgia boy, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if he does, then uh, I'm going to run for the U.S. Congress. So tell me about, um, obviously, you are uh, an incredible servant. You've served your public. You've gotten involved in different things. You, um, your personality is amazing in that you, you go towards things that other people typically go away from. Um, firefighting, police work, and politics. <laughs> Three of those. All very life-threatening uh, in some in shape, the way, form, or fashion. In the military. In the military That's yeah. right. Sorry about that. Um, Tell me what what of those things uh, your experience in those things. How has that helped shape who you are? I know as an as an immigrant coming here, you have a different set of eyes to see this country. Well, that's a good question. That um, as an immigrant, I can clearly see what the, what is the difference. What this this country about? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can clearly see that. What a great country. No wonder this American is the greatest country in the earth. But yet, most Americans who are born in America, they just don't seem like appreciate. This is everything take it as granted. That makes me so sad. And how can I, I mean, give them a wake-up call that uh, all people say uh, they, time to time they complain about America. I say, why? Oh, I live in so about the poor. You ain't seen nothing poor yet. If you if you go to the country, you'll be shocked. In America, I mean, no matter how poor you are, you still have a TV, you still have an automobile, you still have a things. I mean, I think that uh, the people forgot about their responsibility, personal responsibility. And uh, they just don't understand what this freedom is about. We keep asking the government to do something. When the government do something, you're giving up your freedom. I mean, you gotta, we have the law. One of the greatest the law that our uh, founding father come up with the Constitution. Within the Constitution, you can do just about everything. But yet, you always try and depend on the government. You always. So last uh, Independence Day, 
You remember that John F. Kennedy said, do not ask for what your country can do for you. Mm-hmm. Ask for what you can do for your country. That was a Democrat. But today's a Democrat, they completely out of their mind. They become garbage. They become crazies. I don't know what they're thinking. That's also another thing that um, maybe some young folks may not uh, uh, knew that. But uh, I remember when the Russian, the communist president, Khrushchev, mm-hmm. he came to the U.S. a long time ago. I think about 60 years ago. He said, I will not fight with the U.S., but I will give socialism pill to all the American every day. So one day when Americans wake up, they all be addicted to it. Well, we are going to that direction every day. And also I do remember when the President Reagan say, you know, you gotta have a left wing, the right wing. You can both wing have to fly <laughs> this bird can fly. If you have a good, healthy left, fine. I don't have no problem with it. Maybe I respect that. But today, this left, they're not the left we are thinking. They are just socialist, communist. Most all these communist, socialist, they just keep saying that, oh, we, we look out for the other people. We care about the people. No, you don't. You not care about the people. You care about yourself. You care about your power. That's all you worry about. Well, before we talk about those <laughs> Democrats and the Republican, <laughs> we must clean this rhino. I mean, this uh, got, we got to clean this rhino out. Eugene, did you realize that we had this many rhinos until this past year, or did did you know it before? Because I didn't realize until this past election how bad, how oh. bad it really. Oh, uh, yeah, they didn't stand up for Trump at all. They just they all they some of these Republicans. They well, this rhino is not just started last year. This rhino is always there. I think. I think this. Um, the rhino is that I don't believe they really, why they are Republican, why they are the conservative. They just want to be opposition. Power. They just want to be power. They keep saying that, you know, campaign time, election time, oh, yeah, we serve, we, I want to serve you, I want to serve my community, but the minute they get elected, they go to Washington, they completely forgot about us. They hang around with the Washington, the nice wine bar and the cigar bar and dealing with all these lobbyists. You know, one time during the, my campaign, I was telling my constituents, when I get elected, when I, whenever I go to Washington, D.C., if some lobbyist approaching me have a meeting with me, I would say, yeah, I will meet with you. But before you meet with me, my district, say, Gwinnett County or Georgia, you go down there, I will have a, a town hall meeting. You come up there, you talk to your proposal to the, my constituents. I think that is a proper way to do it. Yeah, I think so too. You're, you're a representative of those people. Because... I respect my constituents. When they're voting for me, when they send me to Washington, they mean, oh, Eugene, you go to Washington, D.C., you go have a good time. I don't think so. Reason they're voting for me, the reason they send me to the Washington, D.C., you're protecting my interest. You're protecting my tax money. I'm going to send you to the, my watchdog. You are my watchdog. If you don't do their job, you're out of there. I will send someone else. So therefore, 
Why should I? I mean, I can do anything, just do whatever I feel like it. I'm not the leader. I am the representative. Just like if you hire me as a, if I'm your attorney, that you pay me as your attorney, that means I have to listen to what, what, I have to protect your interest, right? Mm -hmm. That don't mean, well, I pay you that you got to talk to judge or other, you know, just do whatever you can. Mm -hmm. I agree completely. I love hearing you say that. I wish every politician or statesman spoke like that or had that approach, but sadly they don't. It just, uh, we got too many opportunities, self-interest, that uh, I do respect my fellow uh, congressman or senator. I'm sure there's a lot of good ones, but I'm sure there's a lot of bad ones. They have a just double stand. They are just a coward. They just, um, they're not looking for, I mean, their constituents. They're not looking for their state. Well, and it's sort of what you'd said at lunch. There's a, it's a machine up there, and it will, it will chew you up and spit you out if you don't, if you don't kind of uh, play the game the way they want you to play. Listen, I think every every uh, congressman or senator go up to Washington, have attitude. This is it. I'm not worried about the reelection. I just do my job. If I do my job. If my constituents or my state didn't like the way I do, they can bomb me out. They can send someone else. But just do the job as uh, the congressman for two years. Two years, just do the two-year good job. Mm -hmm. As you, just like I said, with your constitution, and the, try the best you can. I think the people are, are maybe uh, not, um, I don't know. But I think the most of all the people, they're always worried about the re-election, re re-election. Mm -hmm. They just try thinking about the, the, the re-election. That's why they just try to play the game with uh, dancing with the Washington, those President Trump said, those are swamp. When, you, when you're dancing with that swamp, you become swamp. Mm. Yeah. Well, and they're looking for longevity. They're looking yeah. for, you know, this, this position is a stepping stone to something greater or something better. And they don't stand by the principles that got them elected a lot of times. Well, we got to, um, uh, I, I strongly believe a time limit. I'm going to really exercise. I'm going to try to show to the people, American people, my fellow politician, congressman or senator, when you represent your district, when you represent your state, look at me. That's how you're supposed to do it. Don't play game. Don't try to please everybody. Just believe what you believe. Just stay with your campaign, the attitude. Just stay with it. If you don't get reelected, so be it. You did what you can, then that's it. But if you do a good job, you got another chance. Then you do a good job. Then you got another chance. Right. When you were when you were little, uh, did your did your parents talk about how amazing America was, or what a dream it was to be here, or why they moved here? Well, the the America, the name of opportunity, land of opportunity. It is a land of opportunity. I mean, that you in the America, there must be over two hundred different country that uh, nationality immigrate come this country. They become how much they work hard. Each individual, whatever they want to do, that those are full of opportunities wide open for them. I mean, what other country can uh, play basketball you get paid $10 million a year? What country pay the plane Football. It's only America. And it's the only country that you can you can come and become a citizen and you are an American. You can call yourself an American. And no matter what country you're from, people go, Exactly. You're an American now. Exactly. The one time, you know, I'm from the South Korea. I want to talk about a little bit about Korea. One time I was sitting in the, one of the restaurants. We was talking about a sit-around bunch of uh, 
or friends. The one guy, I don't know whether he have a little drink or not, whatever. All of a sudden, the, the conversation come about the Americas, you know, I hate this, I hate that. You know, that, uh, this is, is the, he was, everything he says is complaining. So I was continued listening and listening. I just, at one point, I just could not stand listening all those BS. I said, mister, I got a one question. Does anybody ask you to come to America? No, but why you ask? Well, if you have that much complaint in America, pack your shit and go. The Atlanta airport is every day. If not, stop complaining. Let me live. Let me live with the American way. And he just just shut his mouth. But um, that's just one of the examples. Sure. Oh, that's another issue I want to talk about, immigration. You know, today we have um, this CCP virus pandemic. Got all locked down or you got a mask on, you got to vaccinate and all that. But in southern border, it's wide open. People still come into the U.S., left and right. Is anybody check on their uh, the things? Right. I mean, what is this uh, that uh, bureaucrat thinking? That's a truly double thing. If they lock down the American, they better lock down those that are the border. <laughs> I know they. If you have more freedom on the southern border right now than you do in certain blue states because of all these. You know, restrictions. And <laughs> I know this sounds like a little uh, funny, but uh, I never really uh, met with uh, Donald Trump face-to-face. But if I ever had a chance, I'm talking about a couple of years ago, when he tried to build that southern border. Mr. President, please, when you finish it, the southern border, continue go to all the way to the, the California <laughs> All the way to the Oregon and the Seattle, all the way up there. Just, just put the, the board. I mean, all the way up there. The, you know, the immigration thing is is so tricky because people have been they've been told that it, you're you're horrible if you don't accept immigration, and you know the country's built on immigrants and that kind of thing, and it absolutely is. But it has to be legal. It has to be through the legal process, through the law process that's set up to do it. If you have people that are coming in, and I've seen I've seen numbers of people that are coming in that are staggering. I mean, staggering. And then they're getting bussed or flown to places, and they're getting rent. They're getting paid to stay in these different places. And I think there's a strategy behind where oh. they're where they're moving them to. There's definitely a uh, human trafficking, and those are uh, the crime ring. Those um, people transporting from the the southern border of Mexico mm-hmm. transporting the northern border of Mexico right. entering the U.S. Let's get back to this. I, uh, regardless of which you wind up running for, um, tell us tell us about what what you hope to see happen. I know this is a massive aircraft carrier moving in a direction, and it's hard to slow it, turn it. But what do you see that needs to happen? Well, as you know, that are. Uh, 22, we got a one Senate seat uh, for the mm-hmm. coming up, which is currently Democrat, that uh, stupid, that uh, preacher. I, I don't even want to call it preacher, but uh, he called himself preacher. So I would love to deal with him. But in the respect, if my president want to endorse Herschel Walker, which I loved Herschel Walker, hey, I support him. Run for it. Just like back in those Georgia days. Run for it, Herschel. Run, run. We want to take that Senate seat back. Now, somehow, if Herschel decides not to run, then I would love to jump in that race. Mm-hmm. And if Herschel Walker runs for U.S. Senate, then I will run 
the, the seven district, which is Gwinnett and the Forsyth County, currently uh, Democrat, uh, Karen Burdall, C. Hell, because last year, she beat uh, then our Republican candidate at the general election. Now, uh, I believe in that race, I think I'm the, if I run, I think I'm the only one can win that seven district. We need a, that uh, the, the sit back from the Democrat. There used to be a Republican held for a long time, like a Rob Woodall, mm-hmm. uh, uh, before that, uh, uh, Congressman Linder. Uh, we need to take that seat back. So if you, if you let's say, uh, I, I know what senators do. If you wind up running for that seat and you win that seat, what are your responsibilities in that position? Well, my responsibility is just uh, I'm representing the 7th District. The Senate role is uh, probably uh, representing the state. Right. But uh, I will tell you this much. I'm the most conservative straight Republican you will ever see in your entire life because I want to be example to the entire American. This is how you're supposed to do it when you become senator or congressman. So on the local state level, what do you, what do you see we need to really focus on here as, a, as the state of Georgia? We've talked about a lot of things with corruption in politics, different things like that. Georgia, Georgia is a state that um, has done well in the past as far as just as its own state. Kemp's done a good job as far as the virus and not locking things down. What do you see as how we need to move forward? Well, you know, Georgia, so-called in the public, the people saying Georgia used to be a red state. But now it's kind of kind of win the purple, mm-hmm. not really red, not really blue. It's kind of purple. I don't like that, that are in the purple, either red or blue. <laughs> Let's make it clear, <laughs> one or the other. I don't want to be in between. I don't like the in-between bush <laughs> BS. <laughs> They're always kind of kind of shake my head, you know. But tell me the. White or black, you can't just show me the gray. You know, you, you know, you're saying always gray area. Mm-hmm. It's not really sure what it is. You need to, when you run for the public office, mm-hmm. you got to show the people your true color. Let the people choose. That's the only way that you can really see Georgia is really red. Oh, Georgia is really blue. When the, all these politicians try to be a, become a play game, mm-hmm. not showing the, their f- true color, then we, we, we continuously become purple state. And I, I, I do believe, you know, you got to show your true color. You cannot hide, especially when you run into the public office. Because you got you to gotta respect your constituents. Mm-hmm. You got to give your true picture for them to pick the right choice. You know, how many times you heard this people say, well, I bought this guy, you know, last I, I wish I can cut my finger off because he deceived that, that guy. I thought he was a good guy, but come to find out he was a bad guy. I mean, how many times we heard that? Lots. Okay, well, some people say, well, that, that's hard to do today environment. I said, Bush, boo, boo. I have to be very careful this radio because, you know, <laughs> I'm not really used to it because I really want to say a lot of other things, but, you know, I have to be, that's you know, okay. kept it. That's kept okay. It. Hey, you well, know, talk, talk to me about the book here. You brought your book. Well, you know, I, I wrote the book. is uh, a total of 111 pages. It's not that big, you know, uh, about 10 chapters. Each chapter carried four or five pages, pretty much about me. Yeah. And uh, uh, such as um, 
Chapter one is uh, immigration, assimilation, English, and exploring socialism through the, our academia. Uh, well, this subject, you know, our university and college, almost 80% of our professor is a uh, liberal or socialist. Those professors teaching the socialism. So, we are exporting socialism throughout abroad without we knew it. You know, stuff like uh, mainstream media. You know, this me the news media, you know, they say bad news sell, good news not sell. You know, everything is on the, the monies. They are always chasing all this bad news. And... Um, Sometimes when you don't have a bad news, they're making bad news. I mean, manufacturing the bad news. Yeah, I don't, you know, some of these issues that we're dealing with, with the police, it feels like they're opportunities to create more division amongst us <clears throat> rather than create unity. And it's just frustrating because the media, they're really, really good at uh, you know, dividing us. You know, uh, my book is talking about uh, draining the swamp in the Washington mm-hmm. and uh, about the American World War I leadership, the Middle East, the Far East matters. I mean, we deal with the Far East and the Middle East. Well, we need to wrap it up now. So what about your book? Where can people find that book? On your website? No, uh, I'm just... Uh, just one-on-one, face-to-face. Okay. I just hand them out to the people. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, one of the things I really am impressed with about you, one of the things I've found impressive about our one of our recent guests on the podcast, Courtney, was both of you decided, I want to get involved. I want to get, I want to engage in this process. I'm tired of just watching it and passively, uh, participating or not participating. And I think it's real important. I hope that listeners will do the same. I'm really, really hopeful that there will be a new crop of representatives and statesmen and countrymen that, that approach their communities and our problems like you, because we need it. We need a lot more honest, hardworking statesmen and countrymen to serve because Currently, we got a bad, bad bunch of them, um, and and it only changes through participation, through engaging, through kind of ste- stepping up, standing up, speaking out, writing a book, coming on a podcast, running for office. Um, I think it's really, really inspirational. I think it's important, and I really applaud you. And it's too bad that we don't have more natural-born Americans embracing the things that you've embraced it's you know it's it's awesome that you 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 moved here and you're more patriotic about our country than a lot of americans well again that um uh, sometimes i feel like i'm talking to the wall people complaining about the current situation they're complaining complaining but when the election time come they're still voting for the same people they're expecting the different uh, result. It's not going to work. It's not going to do it. So just like in the sports, you will continue changing your player until you get the good player. Even good player, when he's at the golden time, is up, there's a change. Continue. You cannot have a same player play forever and ever, continue winning the, the major league uh, champion. Well, then people won't stand for it. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that's amazing to me is we'll, we'll try to do things in society that we would not even do for sports teams. You know, fairness. Let's huh. just let's just make it fair. All right. Well, Tom Brady's really good, so he probably shouldn't play. We should give some other guy a chance. We would never do that in sports, but we do those things in society just to try to make it work or make no, no. people I feel mean, better about saying, themselves. If if the Tom Brady, I mean, he's good. Right. Let him continue throw it. I mean, good. Let him play. But 
you know, every person got a, a, the, the, the time is up. Right. Then you take him out. Right. Yeah, we need to take him out. Yeah. Then put the new guys in. That way, each player have a very alert every inning, every quarter. They are very alert. If I do bad, my coach going to take me out. So they will, they will work hard. Try best they can. I mean, whatever they do, they got the best they can. Show, hey, the time's up. We're going to send another guy. You cannot continue to let the same guy throw the ball and the other team keep hitting the double or triple home run and you keep complaining, well, we keep losing, but yet you still send the same pitcher. You're going to lose. Yeah, we um, and we've had a lot of of these leaders exposed over the last year plus because, I mean, we need good leadership right now, and the leaders that we have installed are in place. They're not advocating for us or our families or our children. They're allowing this tyranny to happen, and it's so disappointing. I they're not. Ra- they're not only allowing it to happen; they're facilitating it. But you know, you ever heard the Murphy Law? Yeah. Just like, ironically, we finally had a good leader, but we take, I mean, <laughs> we just, <laughs> I mean, I just wish that Donald Trump, I mean, if he was the president now, the second term, I mean, we'll be a lot different. Why you cut the share gas, cut the Keystone Pipeline, you give all this opportunity to Chinese, I mean, that's crazy. And over the year, I mean, over the, I mean, what, six months? And now we are paying more gasoline than last year. I tell you, the, the sometime, you know, I was, the last week I was talking to some Democrat. Are you happy with Joe Biden? He said, hell no. I said, why? My gas price is so high. Well, no, the damn, you didn't know that? He said, well, I wish I wouldn't know. It was too late. Well, the media did such a hatchet job on Trump, too, and just, you know, made him seem like he was the worst thing that had ever come around. And people shouldn't, you know, people people fell for it. You know, now they see the difference and they wish probably they could go back in a lot of ways. But what people have to understand is it's not about him. It's about that ideology. It's about the the program that he ran. It's about the way that he ran things. If it would have been anybody else, it would be. People would still be wanting to fight for that. Well, finally, I want to say one thing. This bunch, this American, like a bunch of child. So many kids, I mean, bunch of child. They complain, they crying, and they got a tough, finally got a, we got a tough daddy. Oh, we hate him. We hate him. We want a different daddy. Let the daddy want to let us, uh, if we were crying for the daddy, would take me the movie. Oh, this daddy going to take me the movie. Daddy, take me the steakhouse. This daddy, take me the steakhouse. We want that kind of daddy. And, and next month, that, that, that daddy broke. And every, every the brother and sister, and including daddy, all kicked out of the house. Is that that's what you want? Oh, you want the daddy showing really strong attitude, kept the house in order. Hey, it's time to go to sleep, time to go to study, time to go to eat. I mean, most kids, I mean, you remember when we was the younger day, I mean, when that daddy have so much rules and then over, we hate that. But same time, we respect that. Yeah, and you actually, you actually thrive under it. You yeah. don't realize it at the time. Well, Eugene, thank you. Any uh, closing comments before we uh, wrap up? Well, I just want to just God bless each and every one of you guys. We must pass all these uh, things together. And uh, I, just, I just want to, to pray for God that uh, please forgive us, give us another chance, continuously bless uh, our nation. We will do our best. That's awesome. Brad, you got anything before we finish? Uh, just just thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for being here. Thanks for all of the places that you've invested in your life with service. Um, I just appreciate uh, your heart 
and uh, just praying the best for you as you move forward with this decision and whatever the future holds for you. And with that, I think we'll wrap this episode up. Eugene, I hope you'll um, continue listening to The Precipice. Maybe we'll uh, uh, support you as you finalize your uh, political goals. It sounds like uh, you've got some more time to figure it out, but I'm excited for you and your future candidacy. And um, I want to encourage all our listeners to pay attention to Eugene. He's He is going to make a difference in his community, whether he's elected or not. And those are important people to be around. Hopefully one day he'll be elected and we can um, serve under him or he can serve us. And um, everybody else can go to thepresbyshow.com and sign up for our email list. You might also want to go and rate and review and subscribe to this episode. And Brad, thank you. Levi, our music man, thank you. Hassan, our computer man, thank you. Savannah and Milos, our audio engineer, thank you, Milos. Everybody else, please tune in again next week for another episode. Thank you, Gene. Thank you. Thank you.